Orale, bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. This is Jorge Martin, Familia. We are on YouTube. It's the NFL Insider Series. We are, you know, we're rounding third, headed for home. I've already said that, you know, we just had the all-star break for baseball, but let me tell you something. We are absolutely just, I mean, the, the information that's been coming in from this NFL Insider Series is just so awesome. I'm going to use it to help you win your leagues because this is information. You're not going to get this in numbers. You're not going to get this in film. This is information that people are getting from, you know, from being deeply, deeply ingrained with the team. And uh, another team that I'm a part of, and I'm really happy to be a part of under the Fantasy Points Media Group umbrella, Familia. When you go to fantasypoints.com, make sure to use the promo code FAMILIA22 when you get some of the greatest fantasy minds out there. You got John Hansen, the fantasy guru himself. You got Graham Barfield, friends of the show, Joe Dolan, Scott Barrett, Wes Huber, Tom Brawley. I mean, some of the great fantasy minds out there. They're, they're giving you some, some of the best fantasy advice out there with really that with information with statistics that are actually you know they created these statistics to help you win your fantasy leagues so uh, i use them to to help you win your fantasy leagues so make sure you go into fantasypoints.com put in that promo code familia22 if you want to put it in in spanish familia22 i'll get you 10 percent off that your subscription get you ready for your leagues and familia uh we got an invitado de lujo that i'm just really excited to have i mean because this is a team that's really going to be important for fantasy it is just uh, I, I'm telling you, he is a self-described T. Higgins guy, which, you know, as as we all know, that means he's going to be chasing greatness all season. It's Willie Lutz. He talks Bengals for, and the NFL for BetJack, and he is the host of the popular Same Old Stripes podcast. It's ironic because there's nothing same old about these about these Bengals. So I was hoping he'd be wearing some Joe Shiesty shades because let me tell you something, the future <laughs> is very bright in the jungle. Bienvenido to Willie Lutz. Thank you for joining us, Willie. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. And funny that you mentioned the same old stripes thing off the top. When we started the show, we wanted to do it a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, you know, yeah, we wanted to, we knew it was a new day in some capacity, but we were also kind of like, you know, like they're still the Bengals. And then they did like the least amount of Bengals things in a calendar year that I've ever experienced in my life. And I was like, wow, great timing for us. We just put out our tongue in cheek podcast name that's entirely irrelevant now. But it's a good thing because the future is so bright. Like you said, it's become a beautiful thing in Cincinnati. We're not like dreading football season. Not that we ever dread football season. It's a beautiful thing. We're not dreading watching the Bengals on Sunday anymore. Well, you know, we got we got connected by uh, the La Reina, you know, when it comes to the jungle, she is the queen, Yasmin Quintana, Commissioner Yaz. Uh, shout out to you. I, I've ha I loved having you on, on the show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she, she's one of those fans that has stayed true and true. And really, the reward came. And I, I sit that sit back and I think about this when I when a year ago and she and I were talking last year before the draft. And I was I was asking her you know, Penesul or Jamar Chase at that point, you know, who do you want? Who do you want? And she said she wanted the player. And I actually apologized to her last year during the Super Bowl during our, when, when I had her on as a guest, because I said, you were right. You were right. I am not worthy. Uh, but really it starts with number nine. And a year ago, again, he was Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow. He was uh, still rehabbing his knee. And there were still some question marks about it. There was a, you know, in mini camp, they weren't, no one was allowed to line up in the backfield. Everything was just, you know, he, he barely took three snaps in, in, uh, in a preseason game. 
everything's different. You got a Super Bowl run under you. He's become one of the superstars of the league, uh, the face of the league. What does he do for an encore? And, uh, and there are a couple of things that I'm, one thing that I'm looking at in particular, he, his number of pass attempts was 520 last year. Uh, and he still had just an incredible year. One of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL uh, had, you know, had over 4,500 yards. What, I mean, could that, could that number come up to maybe, you know, jump those yards and the touchdowns even more this year? You know, interesting there because, and I'll kind of, go into this when we're talking about the running backs, but which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point too. But, um, so yeah, what you mentioned there, very accurate. I mean, you look back to this time last year, we're pretty curious about what we're really going to get from Joe Burrow. I mean, he had said, I'm going to be ready for week one over and over and over again. But I mean, OTAs didn't go that well. Not a training camp went very well for Joe Burrow. Uh, so even like up to week one last year, we're kind of like, so is like he actually ready or like what's going on there? And you can really see how evident that is in the first really up through the bye, uh, how much that knee was really bothering him. He didn't look like the same guy. He didn't even look like Ricky Joe Burrow. He wasn't, you know, shaking off tacklers. Um, and, I mean, that's all changed. If you go back and watch, I always say, if you want to see the difference, watch that week one game the Bengals played against the Vikings and then watch that week 17 game they played against the Chiefs and you'll see a tale of two Burrows. But uh, – your interesting uh, line of questioning there on the total number of pass attempts and all that going up. I think it'll be a higher number this year. If not, if for nothing else, that he was on a pitch count to start last season, they weren't going to expose him to a whole bunch of dropbacks. They were going to commit to the run, even if it meant they were going to get stuffed and teams knew they were going to run, but they were not putting him in harm's way for the early portion of last year's schedule. I mean, it got to the point where, Hey, we're going for a super bowl. So you kind of got to put your body on the line, despite this offensive line, but my only hesitation on saying it might not be the, you know, a big leap is because they've made such an investment in the offensive line that I assume they're going to be able to run the ball with a little bit more conviction than they, you know, did, especially towards the end of last year, because there were second halves last year for the Bengals where they said, Joe, or that's really confusing when you have so many Joes on the same team, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Uh, we're going to kind of need you to put the this one on your back because Joe Mixon's getting hit a yard behind the line of scrimmage every time we run the ball. So you're just going to have to go do it. Will that really change? Zach Taylor loves to run the football, but I mean, we're crazy if we don't think this Bengals offense is set up for, you know, an insanely dynamic downfield passing attack. Um, so I think you'll see the numbers, you know, maybe go up a notch. I mean, Jamar Chase is going to be a year older. T Higgins is going to be in his third season. Um, a guy that we'll talk, I'll bring up later too, is, uh, Chris Evans, a running back, a six run running back from a couple or two draft classes ago out of Michigan really started to take some steps last year as a wide receiver. I think they'll get more touches for him. And then you got Tyler. Boyd. I mean, there's just so many guys there that can catch the football. And when you have number nine thrown it, it's hard to say, Hey, he's going to be, you know, putting up smaller numbers than he did a year ago with a better offensive line. So one interesting thing, and, and this is important a lot for fantasy is, is the rushing aspect. And the, he, he ran, he was kind of like sneaky rushing, rushing threat when he was at LSU. And obviously the, you know, the torn, the, the serious, serious, this was not a routine torn ACL. I've yeah. talked to Dr. Edwin Porras who said, you know, this, 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 this is a very serious one. Uh, but, it's a year it's, Oh, you know, we're now in second year when it, you know, people are considered to be fully healed. Has there been talk about more, 
you know, rushing upside for him this year? I mean, it, it's something that Joe Burrow himself loves to do. And it's not advice for many quarterbacks. I mean, I just listened to the Andrew Luck series that the Athletic put out. And when you have a guy that runs into traffic and does it really well as a quarterback, yeah, it's awesome because it picks up yards and it gets the fans fired up. But it is terrifying. And for Joe Burrow, like you said, I mean, it's year two after this injury. And that scar is still there, but that scar is really starting to heal up and look a little better with every picture that comes out. But I, Joe Burrow in this offseason, when he's talked to the media, has talked a lot about his running ability. It's, not, it's something that he has not shied away from at all. And in fact, he was bragging to media members on multiple occasions uh, that he hit over 20 miles an hour on the little catapult machine they used to measure their speed. And it got to the point where Jamar Chase was even coming into press conferences like Joe won't stop talking about the fact that he was like the fastest on the catapult. So I think and, and one more thing, Jimmy Burrow, who's his dad, was recently on a podcast with uh, Dave Lapham, who's a big figure here in Cincinnati around the Bengals, saying that, you know, it's just in Joe's DNA that he's, you know, he's a quarterback, but he's a football player. So he wants to run and be physical. But, you know. Hopefully that does come with, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, it's reserved. We're not expecting him to go out there and be Lamar Jackson, but I do think you'll see him take off a little bit more this year. I do think he'll get those rushing yards. And, you know, I know that everyone, you know, you get the four points for your passing touchdown, six points for your rushing touchdowns in most leagues. So I'm sure people uh, listening to the show would not be offended with a few more Joe Burrow rushing touchdowns. I think you can probably expect that. And, and, you know, the interesting, you put, you talked about that Andrew Luck series and I'm uh, just before the final episode on that one. And I mean, it was, it was very compelling to watch that. Actually, Zach Kiefer, who did that is going to be coming on this podcast soon. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. And yeah, I also saw in the athletic, they, they, did, there were some comparisons there, you know, there was some talk of uh, Joe Burrow and Andrew Luck. And we'll talk about that when we get into the offensive line, but I thought it was just interesting parallels that, that, uh, the team is kind of recognizing this and, 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 and you're right. You know, when it comes to being a quarterback, yes, you want to be a quarterback first. You want to be a football player. Second, you want to, you know, you want to make, make the smart moves, not, not, you know, slide. I know he was also a baseball player yet. So slide, make sure, make sure you slide. Russell Wilson, just, in, you know, he stayed out, he's stayed mostly healthy over, over his career because he learns how to slide. So hopefully he does that. So you mentioned the other Joe, Joe Mixon, the running back, uh, had a fantastic season. He was one of the top running backs last year for fantasy. I mean, he he had almost 300 uh, rushing attempts. Uh, he had over 1,200 yards. He caught 42 of 48 uh, passes coming his way. You know, this is you know Zach Coach Zach Taylor is under the is a part of the Sean McVay, but really the Mike Shanahan coaching tree, which yeah. really emphasizes the running game. Is he? It, He's still young. Is he still poised for kind of like, you know, with a healthy season, very similar numbers that he had last year? Maybe I know, I know in the fantasy community, we want to see more work in the passing game, but what, what's his outlook for this season? It's really curious to me because it goes to me with the trend of running backs around the league. I mean, we see a lot of guys hit this spot in their career and this is when the tires start to fall off, right? You know, you're in this year six range. I think he's year five or year six, but really in this ballpark, but to Joe Mixon's credit, I mean, he's put up some pretty incredible numbers behind some not so great lines throughout his career. He really hasn't had a great line in his career. Uh, the best line he probably had in his career, I think it was his 2019 season when he really came onto the scene, had his first thousand yard year. And the guys blocking in front of him, I don't think any of them are employed by the Cincinnati Bengals or by a majority of the teams in the league anymore. Uh, so 
Will he have a better season in 2022 than in 2021? I mean, if you look at it on a surface level and look at that offensive line, it's pretty easy to say, yeah, I believe that he he's either number one or in the top three or four for uh number of or the least amount of yards before receiving contact. So when you have that porous offensive line that's having him get hit back there, I mean, there's going to be a lot of those, you know, one yard losses, no yard gains, all that stuff. So I'm really interested to see if, you know, if that a turns around and, you know, he gets a little bit more room to run and then it really just blows up and he has an absolutely insane season. Uh, I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, just because I have yet to see it, got to see it to believe it. But I think your note towards your fantasy listeners is interesting. Will Joe Mixon, you know, be a little bit more impactful in the passing game. And it's something that we've been waiting to see as Bengals fans. It's never really come. We hear about it a lot from the coaching staff. You know, Joe looks great doing this, that, and the other. Um, The habit he does have that scares the living daylights out of me is he loves to catch the ball one-handed over his head and then run around with it uh, out of the backfield. It it looks terrifying. It works 100% of the time for him for whatever reason, but it looks – he, like, knocks it down. It's a whole thing. You can go – there's – half a dozen clips of it, you know, the Detroit Lions game alone or something like that. But, hey, if they can finally use him more as a passing down back, I think it would be, you know, A, great for the team, but also really good for, you know, fantasy owners because, I mean, having Joe Mixon in and of itself is probably a good value for your fantasy team. I don't think anyone's arguing against that. But when you have guys like McCaffrey and Kamara, I mean, those guys are just – multi-tooled, multi-purpose guys that can ruin, you know, it just lights up your whole fantasy score sheet. It could ruin someone else's day. You know, when you have those, your running back scores 60 points and they're spending all that time trying to overcome that, it's a whole different thing. But I don't know. I'm curious to see if we end up getting a more active Joe Mixon on third down. It's not something they felt confident with. His pass protection is still an issue. And apparently it took a leap last year, but you wouldn't see it if you watched the film. Uh, I don't know what that's all about or check the PFF grading. They say it happened. I didn't see it. So I, I don't know what they're watching. But Samaj P. Ryan's been the guy that they've trusted on third down there. He's not all that exciting on a, on third down. Occasionally he can get some burst and get going. He's not a bad player, but he just doesn't have that boost. So it'll be interesting. You mentioned the Chris Evans. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I was about ready to say. So Chris Evans, uh, He's in his second year, sixth-round pick out of Michigan. Didn't have a big production profile in Michigan, but a tremendous athlete. Looks really, really good for the Bengals in a limited role last year. I mean, I don't know. He probably paid, played 10% of offensive snaps, so not that big of a share. Probably not even up to 10%, maybe even closer to 5% off the top of my head. But a guy that when they asked him to play as a wide receiver on third down, he looked real good. He could be, he could just, when you see a guy that can naturally create separation at that level, you're like, how are you not a wide receiver? But then you have a guy that, you know, he takes the ball out of the backfield and looks tremendous doing it on certain opportunities. The issue with him right now is allegedly, and you can see it occasionally too, he doesn't know the whole route tree, which is an issue. Mm -hmm. He runs the wrong route sometimes. He's not in the right spot. And when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who is so technical, so in that like, and I don't want to compare it to these guys, but the way they process, you know, your Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, we're up there calculating everything happening on the field and they know where you're supposed to be. Uh, when you're not in the right spot, those guys don't take kindly to that. So Chris Evans can, you know, clear up that, some of that stuff, you know, just get more comfortable with the, uh, 
the overall playbook. I, I think his playing time, especially on third down of those pass catching opportunities, it could go soaring. But at the same time, he doesn't take that leap. Um, I don't know. It's going to be hard for him to find a role in the field with so many pass catchers out there already. So I'm looking at the uh, let, let's go to the receivers and there's yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you talked about being a T Higgins guy, but man, I mean, uh, Jamar Chase was incandescent last year. I mean, he was spectacular. Uh, he did it all on 128 targets. You know, he was a wide receiver three overall. He's getting some love for wide receiver one. I, I'm going to I'm going to give you a reason why I, I'm one of the few people who's ranking him ahead of Justin Jefferson. Um, and I'm going to give you one reason why, uh, it's week 17. It's week 17 Bengals bills, Monday night football. That game I think is going to go ballistic. And I think a lot of fantasy championships are going to be won and lost because that that's going to be a high scoring game. And Justin Jefferson's going to green Bay, uh, playing probably in free, you know, a dome team playing in freezing cold weather. I think they're going to be neck and neck. And I think that game's going to tip the, tip the scales a little bit toward Jamar Chase, but Chase, I actually had this, you can help me out on this one. I, I had this discussion with someone about him being a possibility being a wide receiver one this year. And this guy told me, I don't think he's going to get the targets. He did like, he's, like I said, he did it on 120 targets. Usually to be the wide receiver one, you got to be averaging close to 10 targets. So 160, 170 targets. Is that within the range of possibilities for him this year? I mean, with Jamar Chase at this point, I don't know what isn't within the range of possibilities because, I mean, we all watched that year. I mean, we saw Justin Jefferson put up, uh, you know, the year he had the year before, and somehow Jamar Chase went out there and exceeded what Justin Jefferson did. I mean, Justin Jefferson, sophomore year, better than Jamar Chase's rookie year, but that's kind of what you'd expect, right? But, I mean, I really have a hard time putting a ceiling on Jamar Chase right now, and even into 2022 because we don't know – just how dynamic they can be when they really lean on him for, you know, a whole season. We, we only have, you know, you know, you're going to be a rookie. You're going to start to find your way in your offense and you're still going to be a key piece, but it, it did take a little while for them to, you know, especially once defenses started to figure him out a little bit more and figure out how the Bengals wanted to scheme him open and everything. I mean, once teams started sitting on him, it, be, it took him a little while to find his way. But I mean, if you go back and throw on that Super Bowl, there are plays where he's just putting the dusters on Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the one, the iconic one is obviously him making that one-handed catch down the sideline. But then there, I mean, the last play of the game is one where he had Ramsey burn. If Joe Burrow had a little more time, Bengals win that game. But, I mean, we've relitigated that one 100 billion times. Since <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. About it. Yeah. Aaron Donald does Aaron Donald things. I don't know what people want people to do. Uh, but, I mean, I, I anticipate Jamar Chase being used in even more creative ways. I mean – you watch Cooper Cup. We all watch Cooper Cup. Uh, we see how the Rams use him in different positions, you know, move him into the slot. He plays a lot out of the slot, obviously. But Jamar Chase kicking into the slot more is not a bad thing for this team. Moving Jamar Chase to the backfield, which they did a little bit last year with some success, and having him run routes out of the backfield next to Joe Mixon, not a bad thing. I think that in year two, they're going to get a lot more creative with how he fits into this offense. And for that reason, I think there's every reason to expect that he could wind up wide receiver one this year. Not who I'd pick yet, but hey, I don't have any doubt that he can be that guy in 2022, even with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd eating up a lot of those targets. Yeah, I think those guys at the top, you know, that you mentioned Cup. I mean, those are the three Cup, Jefferson, and Chase are the first three guys going off the board. And it's just they're 
it's hard to argue. It, 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 either one of them could be the wide receiver one. I think Devontae Adams could still be the wide receiver one, but I yeah. think they're all going to be incredible. I, I I can't wait to to see this one. I got I think two places where I think he's going to improve. I think his catch percentage he was kind of low, um, and his drops, and, and I think he improve on those things. You know, it's he led the league in drops last year, and so but and he still had that kind of season. So yeah. <laughs> even better. But uh, T Higgins. I, I really, I'm really curious. He, he did, he did his work. He ended up with wide receiver 17 last year on 110 targets. He had labrum surgery this year, which uh, I've, I've seen in the past from my baseball background, players aren't able to do a lot of upper body work early on. What has been kind of like his prognosis heading toward the season? Any, any talk of him, you know, starting, starting training camp or even the season on the pup list? So that'll be really interesting. I don't think it'll be end of the season. It doesn't sound like there's any concerns there, but the one thing that does make me feel a little bit more confident about him coming back from this injury is he did suffer that injury in week three last year or week two, even I think it was. I don't think he played in week three against Pittsburgh. So he played a lot of the season with that shoulder injury. It still had a thousand yard year. So pretty impressive for T coming back from it, obviously is going to be another thing. But I mean, I do wonder what happens if T comes into camp and I, I, I think you're right. I don't know if it doesn't sound like right now he'll be ready for the first week or two. He's still going to be rehabbing that shoulder. So I, who's to say he doesn't get a little behind the eight ball here? It, you know, he's T Higgins. We've seen two years of him now. We know he's a pretty daggone good player. But I mean, if he starts a little behind the eight ball, I mean, let's say, I don't know, he's 80 percent of himself to start the year. It is kind of it, it does make me a little curious to see what that production profile ends up looking like as the year goes on. I mean, obviously, if he's still going to be a guy that puts up a ton of numbers and just comes later in the year, I mean, heck, that might win you your league. Who knows? I mean, if he becomes that guy all of a sudden, I mean, that could change your entire fantasy football season. I, it's just one of those things. But I do, as a Bengals fan, there's a part of me that thinks I'm going to have to be a little more patient with T. Higgins this year. And that's the nature of this beast. If you're going to be a ball winner like he is, if you're going to be taking on guys in the back of the end zone, winning those 50-50 balls and you don't have the same reach, it's going to take a little time. And how he comes back from that, I mean, hey, he can come in week one and, you know, put up 200 yards and three touchdowns and I will egg on my face. But it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if, A, they give him a little time and pace him so he comes back right because they already have so much, you know, talent around the field. They don't need to, you know, put full all gas, no breaks on T. Higgins to start the year. But, hey, I, I, I just think that people might want to, be ready for T Higgins to slow roll a tad into the season. Not that I think it's going to be, you know, this big obstacle where it's when is T Higgins going to be a hundred percent, but more in a, you know, just consider, uh, consider the outlook of the entire picture and what it means for T Higgins to be a valuable member of this team in 2022. Cause it's not rushing him around and, you know, putting him in a situation where he's going to get hurt again. Yeah, and that's and and I, I think that's also part of the reason why I think Chase, uh, why why I think Chase has that wide receiver one upside because I think he's going to eat up some of the targets, and I think the third guy that we're talking about, who's kind of like the uh, you know the third musketeer, the un, uh, the underrated Tyler Boyd, who may be the best number three wide receiver in all of football. I think this is the best wide receiver group, uh, at least top three in the NFL. Uh, could there be some extra early on in the season? That I mean, I know, I know. Burrow really trusts, seems to trust Boyd and find, and looks for him. It's really curious because every time I feel like I'm expecting a big Tyler Boyd game because someone's out, I, I never get it. 
Tyler Boyd is one of the more interesting players on this team to me because it, it it's hard to predict when things are going to pop off for him. I mean, one game that I found really interesting last year where he played really well, it was at Denver in week 15, I think. Um, just an absolute monster game. And, you know, I think Vic Vangio likes to try to keep guys like that contained, but their outside corners had T. Higgins locked in man and Jamar Chase locked in man. Patrick Sertan versus Jamar Chase. Patrick Sertan just had him. He ate him up for whatever reason. But it'll be interesting. I think what you got to watch for is when you watch for these teams that, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do anything weird. We're just going to, you know, you have to beat Jamar Chase. You have to beat T Higgins. And that's when Joe Burrow will pick you apart in the middle of the field. So I would look for that. If a team has two crazy corners, which you're not going to see all the time. I mean, Tyler Boyd is a guy that I probably wouldn't feel great about starting on my fantasy team all the time, just because I never really know what I'm going to get in from every week. It seems like, you know, five catches, 55 yards. And then the next week, you know, six catches, 85. It's just, it's so hard to predict what you're going to get from him on a week to week basis, but he'll, he'll get you some points along the way. It's just one I've always felt weird about. I love Tyler Boyd, tremendous player, but it's always tricky to predict when it's going to pop for him. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and actually one of the things that I forgot to mention about Higgins, he actually won me a a little bit of money on the Super Bowl. Ooh. So I had him in a DFS lineup. Yeah, I had him in the ca- in the captain mode and he yeah, he came through for me. So I'm playing this I'm I, I got a little money set, set aside in DraftKings. So gracias T Higgins. Yeah, and also um, just uh had oh, they thrown that penalty on that terrible face mask on Jalen Ramsey, you probably wouldn't have the same amount of money. Yeah, exactly. I would not. I would not. I would not. It, it would not have come through. Oh man, and that, and that was with Odell Beckham getting hurt in that game. So, oh. uh, had, yeah, that oh. was tough. Um, anything going to be left over for the tight ends? Is this, is it Hayden Hurst is coming in? See, the Hayden Hurst thing will be interesting. I think you can look at CJ Uzama and look at his lines last year, and maybe add fifty to hundred yards and another touchdown to it. I, I mean, I like Hayden Hurst. I think he's a fun downfield receiver, but I don't really know how much that moves the needle for this team. I, I think it's, hey, this is a solution for this year, and we know that Hayden Hurst can contribute. But I think Bengals fans, myself, maybe a little guilty, getting overexcited about Hayden Hurst at this point is probably an overreaction. <laughs> I got you on that. Maybe he's a guy to play, you know, stream when when your tight ends on a bye or something. Exactly. Like that. Look if, you, for the if you have Waller on a bye, just throw Hayden Hurst in there, and you'll probably you might get a touchdown or two. That might be nice, and maybe that's your. It'll be it'll fake it for a week, but I wouldn't be worried about starting Hayden Hurst this year. Not a guy that I'll have in my starting lineup if I have the choice. Awesome. Uh, we teased a little bit the, uh, with the offensive line. I think this has been the most scrutinized offensive line probably since the the. Kansas City Chiefs from last year after their Super Bowl performance. Um, you mentioned the athletic series and Paul Daner, the 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 one of the one of the Bengals writers for the the athletic, he wrote an article kind of comparing the situation for luck to to what happened with Burrow and how the Bengals seem to be attacking this. The the does it feel like this is the offensive line that is going to be able to put that put that wall and put put that wall around uh, Joe Burrow and let him really really cook and keep him healthy. It'll be interesting, I'll tell you that. And I think when you look at it on paper, it, it looks great. I, I mean, the one area we have a question is going to be left guard. It's going to be a battle between their second round pick, the position last year, and their fourth round pick this year. Both guys are going to be question marks no matter who wins the job, so that doesn't matter as much. But 
what I think is really interesting from Burrow's perspective is he actually does all right when guys come from the outside. He's better about dancing around those guys and making them miss. What's killed him is when they get pressure up the middle and he, the pocket just suffocates. He's not one of those guys that can bounce out and go make a play that way. He just, it's not something that, you know, when his eyes are down the field, I mean, it's just harder to see that kind of stuff and it's harder to absorb that kind of pressure and get away from it. So their upgrades of center and right guard are going to be what I think are going to make or break what happens this season. And obviously they made the Super Bowl last year with, you know, me playing right guard and you playing center. So, <laughs> I mean, not to disrespect Trey Hopkins and all the Hakeem energy, great dudes, but not great starters in this league. Um, Ted Karras, you know, you get a guy that's played a ton of seasons in New England, was kind of their sixth offensive lineman for a couple of those Brady Super Bowls, and then started over the last couple of years, one year in Miami, and then last year in New England. Um, so, so he's dependable there. I, I trust Karras. Then you move Kappa, you got him at right guard. I, I think that's the the best free agent signing they made on in that group of the three. Um, I think when you have a guy like Alex Kappa, who isn't, you know, all pro pro bowl level guy, but he'll give you, you know, I don't think he, he had one season where he didn't allow a sack or something crazy like that, but he's a guy that throughout his career has done a really good job staving off pressure. He plays with a lot of power. Um, and when you're playing with all that power and you, you know, you can, you know, stifle some of those bull rushes, some of those Jeffrey Simmons, some of those Chris, uh, man, I'm totally Chris uh, Jones, Kansas Chris City, Jones. Is that right? I, yep. I want to say Chris Johnson, but I was like, no, it's not CJ2K, Willie. That's not who we're yeah. talking about. Uh, yeah, about 100 pounds guys, heavier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a guy. But when you have, you know, a Kappa who can stave off some of that interior pressure. And one of my favorite games to watch was the uh, Buccaneers-Rams playoff game. The Rams, obviously, that are coming out on top, but... Kappa in that game does a really nice job on Aaron Donald. And as a Bengals fan, knowing that Aaron Donald just took away my chance to win a Super Bowl, that's exactly what I needed to see. Obviously, that iconic pressure came off the left side where there's still a question mark. But, hey, I feel a little bit better. Actually, I feel a lot of bit better about the guys that are going to protect the interior of the offensive line. Granted, with that question, left guard is still standing. But and I didn't even say Lyle Collins on the right side is right tackle. I mean, that guy, Pro Bowl perennial Pro Bowl guy, guy that can be an all-pro, one of the best right tackles in football. So you're just, that's the name that gets you really fired up when you're looking at it all. So I, do I think they did the right thing? Yeah. I, I will say, though, they are still pretty thin uh, in the depth department there. If someone gets hurt, you start to feel a little queasy. But, I mean, at least those guys have more of a pedigree because they did play those snaps in a big role. Granted, they're now demoted because they didn't play very well. Oh man. Well, let's go to the, let's finish up on the other side of the ball. I love to ask the question of how does this team shape up against the run and how does the defense shape up against the pass uh, based on, so I can, it can kind of help me whether I want to actually start uh, recommending players against, uh, you know, running backs or receivers against this defense. So the one area uh, I'll start with run defense. The Bengals got a really good run defense, period. They, they got guys that can, you know, stuff it up. DJ Reader, one of the best nose tackles in football. Um, Sam Hubbard, probably the best or one of the best run-stopping edges and defensive ends. Technically, He's not much of an edge rusher if you're really looking at the technical side of things. Really good run-stopping defensive end. 
always near or at the top of ESPN's, you know, run stop win rate stat, which I think is, you know, it tells a good tale. But when teams have had, you know, a more elusive running back, it's something that, you know, hasn't looked particularly good for this Bengals defense. Uh, going back to that Denver game, again, Javante Williams gave them so many issues. Uh, Kareem Hunt gives them a lot of issues. So when you have those guys that are a little more shifty and a little more elusive then you know, they can, I've seen them hold in Nick Chubb. They didn't last year, but I do, you know, Derrick Henry, if you want to look at that playoff game, they stifled him really, really well. So if you have that more shifty, that more elusive back, I think that's something that can freak out this team. Uh, The other area that'll be really interesting to monitor, you know, what happens with their other outside corner against the passing game? Because Eli Apple, I mean, the Bengals fans will tell you there were times he played well last year when Eli Apple had to go up against uh, like a one B wide receiver. He got, he had really bad issues. He just, you know, as much as I respect Eli Apple for stepping up and having his best year as a pro last year, I, I mean, it's a question. I mean, he gave up two touchdowns in that Super Bowl. He only got three completions and two of them were touchdowns, but that's where you have to have it if you're going to be a corner in this league. You have to stop it in the red zone. And so when you're looking at some of these teams that can air it out and throw it all over the yard, I mean, I think you got to worry a little bit about, you know, can Eli Apple hold up? And, you know, flipping over the other corner, Chidobe Awuzie, a guy that hasn't done very well with more of the physical wide receivers in this league. So if he's against a physical receiver, A.J. Brown, for example, took him to task last year pretty good. Uh, the Bengals are going to start playing Amari Cooper two times a year. More of those physical guys give him issues. But really, it's a team that does a nice job stopping the pass. If you're going to try to kill them in the middle of the field, you're just not going to be able to do it. They, their linebackers are too quick. Their safeties are too quick. Um, they even added more team speed this offseason. And I think team speed was probably on the defensive side, one of their biggest weaknesses last year. So really, outside of that, it's going to be pretty hard to move the ball against the Bengals. Theoretically. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Willie, this, this was fantastic. This was fantastic. As I, I you really uh, helped me, help me out for, uh, you know, to really get, get it, get us all ex- more excited about football, but also this team, this offense is going to be great for fantasy. This is going to be a great team for fantasy. I want to close up shop with one last thing. I, you know, I've I've been pleasantly surprised at how uh, robust the Mexican food scene is across the country in some cities that I, I wouldn't expect. Uh, I've heard good things about Mexican food in in uh, Cincinnati. What is uh, what are some of your favorites? Any favorite taco types? See, if I'm just talking favorite taco types, if I can get near the water, this is more of a vacation thing, but a great fish taco will change my whole day. If you can say, hey, this is the best fish taco in this city and you have to go there, that'll probably just rock my whole world and I'll be a very happy camper. But my favorite, it's close to home, but there's a place called El Picante in Loveland that I've been going to for years with my family. It's just a great spot, great food, very authentic. Um, Obviously, when you're in Ohio, you're not going to get all the same. It's going to be a little closer to Tex-Mex. We all know that. It's it's just reality here in the uh, central and southern and southeastern and all that good stuff. You know, all that, you know, one of those things we can't really control. But, yeah. And and then, you know, the central Ohio train that everyone knows about locally is this place called Condado Taco. I respect Condado. It's a good vibe. But you guys, just so you guys know, there are probably – 
20 food trucks that you're going to get cheaper and better food. So the food trucks in Ohio with tacos, pretty much all knockout. Just say it. Not, not that that's a surprise to anyone. A food truck with some tacos is never a bad thing. Any, uh, what are your favorite meats? That's a tremendous uh, favorite. I, I like them all, so it's just kind of hard for me to even take that in. Like an El Pastor taco. Oh, like, yes. That's just, if you can get me good El Pastor, I'll just lose my mind as well. That, that's another good way to make my soul very happy. No, that is uh, consistently one of the top ones that I hear when from people, especially when you get a, get a little get it good with some pineapple and everything. I was like going to say with the pineapple, that's the key right there. Yep, yep, just makes it makes it right there. People may people may say no to pe- pineapple on pizza, but definitely pineapple on alpastor tacos. So gotta do it, gotta do it. You're, you're just missing out. Oh, love it, love it, Willie. This is awesome. This is awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, hey. Let us let us know what uh, what you got coming up on on same old stripes and on Bet Jack and uh, you know to get everybody ready for the the twenty twenty two season. So Bet Jack will be interesting when Ohio rolls out all the gambling stuff at the beginning of the new year. We'll really get some stuff going on over there. So so you guys out there in Ohio, if you're listening or out anywhere and you're coming to visit Ohio, stay tuned. Bet Jack is going to be one of the great uh, sports books in Ohio to work through. So just keep your eye out for that. They've already got an app, but it's same old stripes. Hey, we're a busy bunch over there. Next week, uh, we're going to have a really interesting set of shows. Uh, we're first going to do this interesting AFC North draft. We're all going to get some guests coming on. We're going to do about six or seven rounds and draft both coaches and players from the AFC North. I just find that a really interesting way to take stock of talent. But you can also look forward to next week on the Same Old Stripes podcast. An interview with Bengals slot corner Mike Hilton. Uh, we've been working on this one for a long time. Uh, Mike's a great dude, and obviously him departing the Steelers a year ago and joining a team that you know made a trip and a visit to the Super Bowl. Uh, we're fired up to talk to him. So uh, you, we got big old week coming up on same old stripes. Oh, fantastic, fantastic, Willie! Muchas gracias for doing this. This was this this was fantastic. You were a wonderful guest. Everybody, you know, subscribe to same old stripes. I just subscribed and he's just, I mean, these guys do a great job covering the Bengals and, uh, and actually Andrew Hall, uh, I understand you, he mentioned that he's going to, that he got invited to be on your show. So, uh, he told yeah. me to be a shout out. So, uh, everybody give, give Willie a follow if you can. And, uh, for us, that's just all for our show. Uh, Special thanks to our invitado de lujo, Willie Lutz. Uh, also, thanks to YouTube for putting us out there. And please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. Por favor, give us that, give us that thumbs up. And also, if you want to do the audio version, Anchor, muchas gracias for putting us out there. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just go ahead and like, go ahead and uh, and if you can give us a review. Really appreciate it. And uh, familyffb.com for original content. We're going to have articles coming out, help you win your fantasy leagues. And also, again, fantasypoints.com. Get, put in the promo code familia22, get 10% off your subscription. This is Jorge Martin. You can find me at Jorge Martin17 on Twitter. You can also uh, Instagram and Facebook, Familia FFB. So, otra vez to Willie, muchas gracias. And to you, everybody, remember, todos somos familia. Salud.